0: All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back to episode two of the We'll Name This Podcast Later. So this week, guys, we have a bunch of great topics to get to. And by great, I mean we're going to talk about some compelling stuff. None of this stuff is really like uh, we're happy to have to have these discussions again. Sometimes we just want a normal fucking week, right? We really want a normal week sometimes, but... um, We're going to talk about the uh, Chauvin trial. We're going to talk about the Chauvin trial, and we're going to talk about uh, accountability versus justice. Next thing we're going to talk about, guys, is going to be black trauma television, black trauma television. So we're going to have some uh, detailed discussions about how we went from having some type of advancements in our television shows and in uh, movies and things, and now... Everything is just back to us being slaves and making white people feel bad, which they should. But still, niggas need to be entertained in some other ways. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the uh, police-involved shooting of that young lady in, what was it, Cleveland? Yeah, Makaya, what was her name again? Makaya Bryant, Bryant. Makaya Bryant Bryant. in Columbus, Ohio. So we're going to get to all those um, particular topics. We can't wait to get this one started.
1: So uh, to talk about the chauvin trial uh that everyone in the country has recently seen um a couple of takes on that. I know people are uh still trying to recover from that um I think most people feel that we've we've gotten a win uh it's just as it's been served, but in this case, I'm gonna say that we uh we kind of dropped the ball a bit uh there are two actual instances to where we're looking at um one is a uh, it's basically going to be manslaughter when it's all said and done. You're looking at five to 15 years. Um, I think he's going to be out in five years. So, I mean, within that, we're, we're going to be we're going to be looking to see what uh, what's going to happen next. The judge said himself, um, you know, he's going to be sentencing him. So, we have no idea what's going to happen with that. I think um, the prosecutors did a did a wonderful job, um, with the exception of um, Matt Maxine Waters. Um, I'm all in the waters But other than that I mean I think I think we did our part Um, I think we got it handled Um, I'm happy to see him See him die in jail Hopefully But if not Then you know We can We can uh, We can hang him at At our next local Next local
0: barbecue I mean I was I was cool With the situation Like going The way it was going I still had this Uneasy feeling Whenever the The jury went to Deliberation Or whatever it's called And I'm like, man, we ain't got no good track record. America does not have a good track record of this shit. It's going to come. Somehow they're going to say, well, we don't know. It's going to be a hung jury, some bullshit like that. So when it came back and he was guilty on all three counts, I was like, wow, justice was not served, but accountability was. We shouldn't celebrate this. We should try to treat it like this is normal, because if we try to normalize this, maybe in the future, this will become something that's normalized. When we celebrate things like this, like I I understand like, you know, George Floyd lost his life. I'm really sad for his family because regardless of what verdict comes back, his daughter will never get her dad back. His girlfriend will never get her boyfriend back. So someone's life was still lost in this, but we need to focus more on treating this as an accountability step versus us thinking we got justice because justice would have been, um, George still being alive. This incident never happened the way that it was. That it was Now, true justice will be if we can find a way to get laws on the book to get rid of this type of behavior within the police force. But it doesn't seem like that's something that people want to have a conversation about. And I know we're going to talk about the um, accountability standards and different policing practices later in this episode. But it's just, I, I don't know, man. It feels, it's hollowing. Like, I don't feel... Like, yeah, something happened. Like we won something. I feel like, nah. Motherfuckers finally did their job. They finally did their job. Popeyes finally put the extra ketchup in the bag. <laughs> McDonald's finally took the mayo off the fucking sandwich. And the, like, the, the ice cream machine was working. Yeah, yes. and the ice cream machine was yeah. goddamn working. That's but, how I feel. That's how I feel.
2: Um I, I think he'll get I, I think if Amber Geiger got 10 years, he'll get the max. I think he'll get closer to 40. Um, which he's a middle-aged man there's a great possibility that he won't die in jail but he'll be very close to death by the time he gets out um uh, only this one would have hurt me so much if it wouldn't have gone the way that it did because it was like it was in the bag you know what i mean it was in the bag. like we watched for nine minutes this man with his knee on the back of this man's neck like, it was obvious that of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I had convinced myself. I remember riding around because uh, I was dropping my mentee off at um, at basketball practice. And I took the long way home because NPR had the exclusive coverage on, um, on the radio anyway uh, for when the verdict came. So I was like, well, I'm going to just take the long way home and hopefully I'll be able to hear it so I don't have to miss it. And um, I was sitting there thinking, just being like, wow. Like, if he's found not guilty, I'm going to be real upset. Like, this one... Would have hit way, way, way different. Given, were you
0: going to be really upset though, or were you going to be mad for five minutes and be like, eh, "It's America?
2: No, I would have been really upset. Right with with Trayvon Martin, I was in upstate New York when that uh, verdict came down. I was working in, in upstate New York at the time, and I was in the van. Um, and there's not, there wasn't cell phone service up there at the time. Now there is on at camp, uh, but you know, driving through the mountains, I didn't know that the I didn't know that the verdict had came in, and so when I got back to when I got back to base camp, they like pulled me to the side and were like, hey, we just want you to know, mind you, this is nothing but white people, right? Yep. Um, We just want you to know that George Zimmerman was found not guilty. And I was like, yeah, like, of course, he was found not guilty. Of of course. Like, why would you think that that would shock me? Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough evidence for for black folks to get justice. It has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. There has to be real substantial something for it to even get to that level. And I felt like George Floyd had that, right? And so- Looking back, I'm I'm like, you know, I would have been really hurt. But I think what's more enlightening is how far particular right-wing people will go to dehumanize and discredit a black life. You know, right. I got in trouble on Facebook. I never get in trouble on Facebook. The one thing I got in trouble for was um when Ashley Babbitt was killed, the girl who um, stormed the Capitol. She was shot. Mm-hmm. I started a trend and I said, mm, wasn't a bullet. She died of a fentanyl overdose, right? Like <laughs> that, And people were like so shocked that I was saying that no one understood. Like there were white people being like, what are you talking about? It's, it's on video. I was like, you mean like George Floyd's <laughs> on video? Like
0: you mean like that? But the fentanyl did kill her though.
2: Yeah, I agree. She and died of fentanyl. She died of fentanyl, fentanyl overdose. As long as that's a right wing conspiracy thing about George Floyd, that's what I got for Ashley Babbitt. But the third thing is how the response to the verdict has been, particularly from white right wing news, right? The mm-hmm. fact that they said that, you know, he was only found guilty because the jury was scared that if they found him not guilty, that people would riot in, in Minneapolis and all over the country. Yeah. Like the fact that again, even in this time, you choose to, dehumanize and criminalize black people for something that wasn't even on the agenda. I go to all the black meetings. Not in one yeah. black meeting <laughs> did we talk about rioting if Hell George no. Floyd was not guilty, right? And if that did happen, you know why it happened? Because the motherfucker was guilty and you let him off. Like, so you know yeah. what you know what's got to happen in that circumstance? Some shit got to get Some, some shit got to get burnt.
1: It is what it is.
2: What
1: Hold on, here you go. Do you think we would have gotten the uh, the prosecution to to get the win if we did not have video and that we did not have that whole summer of protests around the Hell world? No. Okay.
0: Nah, 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 nah. It's not gonna happen that way. It's not gonna happen that way because like Dex said a second ago, man. With when you, with you, when you're black and you're involved justice system, particularly when you're accused of a crime, you have to have all of the evidence in the world. There is no benefit of the doubt or anything associated with you. You are just guilty until you can prove that you were innocent. So when a homie had his knee on George's neck, if there was no video, he was getting off because you have the blue wall of silence. Those other police officers, which didn't do shit to stop the situation from happening, was going to continue to do what they was going to do. And even if you think back, as far as the Trayvon Martin situation in which you have some evidence, if you don't have this overwhelming, compelling amount of evidence, it's it's not good for you. George Zimmerman was told, don't engage by the 911 uh, dispatcher. He was also told, hey, stop following this kid. Like, you're the aggressor at this point in time. And I don't see how that point wasn't argued in one. Like, George, uh, George Zimmerman followed this child. He attacked this child, proceeded to get his ass whooped. And yeah, how how do we know Trayvon didn't think this was like some kind of fucking abductor, right? Mm -hmm. If someone is going after my child and they attack my child, I want them to pick a rock too and bust this motherfucker head open. So in those situations, man, nah. if it wasn't for all of this video evidence, no, if it wasn't for COVID, right? Think about it. White people couldn't turn away from this shit. They didn't have sports. They didn't have the live shows to keep them entertained. They had to sit back and live with this shit for months, for weeks, during an uncertain time in their life. And this was one of the few times they probably as a mass felt a lot of empathy for black folks because you couldn't turn away. You couldn't turn the other cheek because what the fuck were you going to use to distract you? Your kids? <laughs> they don't care. Most- fuck them kids first of all. Fuck I'm them like- kids, man. <laughs> so nah, man. If it wasn't for the video evidence and COVID then this this situation would have turned up totally differently. I disagree. Totally
2: differently. I disagree. I think that the the fact that the blue wall of silence came down is what sealed the case. Right, that is what sealed the case. The prosecution was effective at separating Derek Chauvin from his his title as police officer. Very good at it. And had it not been for the most senior um, sergeant, I think sergeant or lieutenant, veteran, he wasn't the senior, the veteran of like 28 years or something being down being like, hey, I've been trained a lot. I ain't never been trained on that shit. Like that that shit wasn't cool. Chief or it say it again. Yes. The chief of police actually said it too. I think that is what made it such a a, um, a a game changer. It was the first time. But it also goes back into my philosophy that I said a few times. I don't care if you take the right side of history, when it's easy to take the right side of history, fuck all that, right? It's easy to say, okay, well, George Floyd was, was a problem. But as soon as it's a nuanced situation, like Micaiah Bryant, you know, now it's, oh, well, you know, she had this and she, well, the point, the point is, the point is, The the point is that policing in general, police are not, Executioners It's not your job It's just It's not your job Right And the fact that you go Into every situation Being like Hey Nigga don't
0: act right I'ma shoot him That's, It's not I, your job I would And I will say this I say there's and this is our segue, guys. We're, we're going to skip over the black trauma uh portion. We're going to get back to that. We're going to get back to that last. But we're going to skip over that and go right over into the situation that happened with the officer involved shooting of the young lady in Columbus, Ohio. Give us her name one more time, Ma-Kia, Dexter. Makaya Bryant. Makaya Bryant. Makaya Bryant. So when this situation, and I'm going to pass this over to Christian because he and I might have a very similar viewpoint on this situation versus what Dex has. But, but mine's going to be a little bit of a hybrid. Mine's going to be a little bit of a hybrid, right? So in this situation, like when I saw the rumblings of what happened, right, I saw a few spliced together clips of cell phone footage. I didn't watch the uh, Columbus Police Department's release of the full video until after I made a public comment. When I made a public comment, I was arguing with a old classmate's uh, friend. I don't know who the fuck I was arguing with. I don't know this person. But I was like, man, look police, uh, the police officer wasn't justified in the shooting. It makes no sense. He shouldn't have did that shit because that's typically how the situations work when they start to receive a little bit of, um, headway. So then I finally watched the fucking video. Yeah. And when I watched the video, I saw fault on both sides. I saw fault on both sides and the fault on both sides was this, right? So most of the blame is going to lie with, uh, that the guy, I don't know if this was actually her father. We don't know. This yep. yet, so the guy that was restraining her and holding her back when the video initially started, and the officer arrived because the officer had a pretty calm demeanor when he got there. Right, he was cool. Like, hey, what's going on?
1: He was attempting to deescalate, which most officers do not do.
0: Right, so I will give him the shadow, of th- you know, yeah. shadow the doubt with that. But once the father released um, the the young lady who was shot, and she ran at the other girl who was bagging away. And she went to kind of stab her with the knife and she was going with the lunge motion. And it seemed like the situation was mostly de-escalated. Maybe the young lady was still, you know, mad because, I mean, they're children, right? We as kids, we get irrationally angry. We don't know how to control our emotions at that point in time. I blame the guy that was holding her back. He knew that she was still angry. Why would you release her and then go kick one of the kids in the head? Like, you are contributing to a situation that is already volatile. You're an adult. You're the only adult in the situation with a gang of children around you. So you fucked up in that aspect. But the one mistake that that young lady made was she was about to stab that other girl when the situation, she could have ran away at that point in time. She could have took a step back. She's a child, so I don't like to put a lot of accountability on children. But the officer's training is why I have a problem. The officers' training. I, I'll take. I'll give All that right. point to you.
1: So I can. I can agree with everything you said up until the point to where we're we're discussing the um the officers' training. I think in these circumstances, whenever we we hear about a uh, a black citizen being being assaulted or being murdered, I think we tend to you know get up in arms, in which we should. But I think I think we should I think we should get the information first. And this kind of reminds me of the whole J. Cole no name situation, to where you know we we respond off of emotion. I know there's a problem in the community, I know there's a problem in our society. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know the history of it, but I know I need to do something about it. I think most black americans feel that way. That's a problem because we don't look at the the facts, logic. So we let's take a look at the actual training. Let's take a look at use of force, right? This is this is <laughs> available to every everyone in the public, right? So deadly force, um let's look at what that looks like So as, with, as within any use of frame A Leo's use of deadly force Must be reasonable in light of the facts And circumstances confronting him Or her at the time force is applied Also uh, A DHS Leo May use deadly force only when the Leo Has a reasonable belief that the subject Of such force poses an imminent threat Of death or serious bodily injury To the Leo or to another person Now I think it's safe to say that with limited information, when the officer came to the scene, um, he had to make a, a quick decision. I am never for ending ending anyone's life unless you explicitly have to. But in this circumstance, would you rather him taste her? We need to talk to the girl who's in yellow because she probably would be dead or not assaulted at this point. So within within the role, there I mean, I'm not advocating for for police. Misconduct, or for police to be out here just killing us, I don't agree with that. But not every circumstance to where we have a police-involved shooting is something that Al Sharpton and Reverend Jesse Jackson needs to come out of the fucking retirement and start talking about talking points about what what we should do. Black Lives Matter shouldn't get involved in every circumstance. I, me personally, I don't. It's it's a, it's a basic question: Is this a good shoot or is it a bad shoot? I think it was a good shoot under the pretense of the law that's already on the books. And the use of force and that model and that policy.
2: I think that the models and the policies are only given credence when it benefits the narrative of police officers. So, let's have a discussion. Let's have a discussion. Who is one white kid under the age of 17 that's been killed by the cops? Give me one. Give me one. I mean, I can't think of a name right now. Because there are none. Let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse, who shot three people, killed two of them, had an AR-15, was allowed to go home. Let's talk about Dylan Roof, who was 19, right? 19. Yeah. But shot nine people, was arrested, allowed to go home. Let's talk about um all the school shooters who are underage and are arrested and
1: are allowed to go. Well, some of them go to to go to Burger King. Right? Let's be fair. Let's be fair. Mm-hmm most of these cases are after the incident or after the assault has already happened.
2: Mm -hmm. So because so one of them has, they, but they have proven that they are dangerous people. Correct. Correct. They they have proven this at this point. Now let's, let's talk about some, some black folks. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about black folks. What was Anton Rose doing when he got killed? He was running away. Yeah. Right. What was um, McDonald? What was McDonald doing? He was walking away. He was walking away. What was Tamir Rice doing? Yeah.
0: didn't have a
2: chance. Didn't have a chance, right? The police car didn't even stop moving before they put bullets in um, Tamir Rice's chest. What was what was Adam um, Adam Toledo doing when he got shot? His hands were up. His hands. Were, I'm sorry. I get it. I understand that he threw a gun, but you know, it's very obvious when I watched the video real time of um, Adam Adam Toledo. I watched it real time. Well, yeah. in regular speed. Right. And even I saw when he turned around that he had nothing in his hands, right? right? And so me as a as a non-trained person- He was a scared kid. Yeah, he was a scared kid. I get it. And so we have these conversations about, about black bodies. Why is it only black bodies the one that continue to get the grunt of the force? I think we know why. Well, and, But that's my problem. So with Micaiah Bryant, with Micaiah Bryant we want- And let me back up for a second. The Supreme Court, whenever it, whenever it looks at a, a a police involved shooting, if it makes it there or any court, it talks about what's called the superseding moment, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what that, what that precedent says is not a law. It's a precedent. What that precedent says is that a police officer can only be held accountable for the shot and the events immediately leading up to that shot not the stuff that happened before, right? It's called the superseding moment. In the moment that I shot you, did I have reasonable, would a reasonable person have done the same thing, regardless of the reason we got to that point?
1: Yes, which I would have shot her.
2: Which is a bullshit argument, right? It is a bullshit, ar- so it doesn't matter. For for example, what was you that doing? works. Well, you got to use examples, right? Um, Alton example that, mm-hmm. right? Alton Sterling is a great example of that, right? Alton Sterling is a great example of that. What Alton Sterling, because it doesn't matter that the cop got out the car and said, put your hands behind your back. I'm going to put fucking bullets in you, right? right? It doesn't matter that he goes up to him and puts his hands on him. It doesn't matter that he tackled him to the ground. What matters is when he said, if you move again, I'm going to put a bullet in your chest. Well, that see- is the only that. But you got to let me segue here. You got to let me segue, right? So let's look at the totality of this exchange with this young lady, right? Let's look at the, the totality. We already have established that the police do not use deadly force with white kids, at least consistently. Right. Right. We have already established that. So we understand that they have the capacity to not use deadly force when they want to, regardless Mm -hmm. of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, they can use tasers. They use takedowns. They do a lot of things. Right. Let's look at the totality of this argument. Makai and Brian calls the police and says, hey, motherfuckers out of my house trying to jump me. Need y'all to come here handle this shit right right she makes the wrong choice as a 15 year old should right and goes outside to confront these people she's on her property or Mm -hmm. you know whatever she's in foster care she's at her house Mm -hmm. right she goes outside of her house with a weapon to defend herself and tell these people leave my proximity right oh boy is holding her back and i don't know what video y'all saw i only have the stomach to watch these things one time so i could very well be mistaken but from what i saw the girl in pink, it wasn't yellow, she was pink, started attacking Makaya, right. and, and pushed Makaya on the ground. She stands up, and that's when you see the knife come out. At this point, she is not the aggressor, right? The girl doesn't know she has a weapon, which in the state, you don't have to let people know that you have a weapon. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you. And the police officer's response, granted, he. I don't think he knows who is— who at this point, I, I'm not sure, I'm going to have to go get a new cable in a second, but I'm not sure he understands who is the homeowner and, right. and all of that. You're like I'm not going to say that. What I will say is that Makaya didn't do anything wrong from a legal standpoint. At that point, she had not done anything wrong. Somebody right. attacked her. She got up, started attacking them back, right? right. That She had done nothing wrong. Right. And I, I was under the impression that we needed weapons to protect our property and our person. And right. in, in my mind, as the pre-law major, she was protecting herself and her property. that That's number one. Right. But even number two, you didn't have to shoot her. You didn't. Like, you did not have to shoot her. And even if you did have to shoot her, you didn't have to shoot her four times. Right? You didn't have to do those things. Okay.
0: So, for one... Because of the way that the law is set up, that police officer had to shoot the kill. So he had to shoot until the the quote unquote threat threat was eliminated. Right. Not saying that it's the right thing, because, I mean, if you're being trained with all of these different type of weapons, motherfucking police show up to your house looking like goddamn Batman, all this fucking shit on their utility belts and all this other stuff. But Mm -hmm. I looked up a law. Right. So in Ohio, they have a somewhat similar law to what we have in Louisiana and we also and in Florida. It's called the Council Doctrine. It was passed in 2008, and it removed the duty to retreat of people who are lawfully occupying a residence or in their vehicle. So right. if your residence is your property, right? Right. So Micaiah was being attacked on her own property based on the 911 call that she made, right. meaning she was not obligated to retreat. Since she wasn't obligated to retreat per the laws of Ohio, she technically had the right to stand her ground against that person that was attacking. Now, there was a police officer there at that point in time, and it seemed like once the girl pushed Makaya away, she was in the uh, she was in she was retreating herself. Right. But because of the very passage of that law in Ohio, Makaya Mic- uh, didn't have a responsibility to retreat. So if she did stab the other person. But then Ohio law, she actually was in the right. She was justified justified. in doing that. It was justified.
1: But was that information provided to the officer? Did he know that?
0: And this goes into the conversation we were having off mic about if we were to abolish the police. I know you guys, the fun, the fun, I'm more of an abolished guy. But if we were to abolish the police departments, there's certain aspects of policing we would have to keep, like the 911 dispatchers. So... With the person that's gonna be the 911 dispatcher, why couldn't they have they gotten more information or maybe they could have tried to keep Micaiah on the phone long mm-hmm. enough to say, hey, mm-hmm. give us a description of all the people that are attacking you so we can give this information to the officers. So whenever they whenever the officer arrives, they can break up whatever's going on mm-hmm. at the time. So it's multiple levels of failure. It's not just that officer that was involved in the shooting, because if you think about it, that officer simply did what he was trained to do. So it's not a situation in which we need to have Black Lives Matter get involved for the incident per se, but for the overall identifying the laws, let's get something on the books to get shit uh, corrected. That needs to be involved. And um, to, to kind of further Dex's point, too, about the police shootings, With children, so this is some statistics from 2015. The number of young people shot to death by police since 2015 is relatively small, so we should be cautious in drawing too many conclusions from the pool. It is worth noting, however, that these kids are mostly non-white. Police shooting victims are disproportionately non-white in general. About 51% of all fatal shot uh, shootings involving youth and police officers. Are being uh, are fifty one percent. So it's fifty one percent of those shootings are um are white children among those under the age of sixteen. Only about a quarter were white,
2: twenty five percent. that means seventy five percent coming from somewhere else. And this is right? coming
0: from the Washington Post, which is Washington a very Post.
2: very reputable, very reputable. So, yeah, Washington Post is pretty legit. I I think that my issue comes with these laws being understood to be bad only because of the treatment of black bodies. Right. And that moves no progress whatsoever. You know, the only reason George Floyd, like you said, moved progress was because people had to sit there and watch like that man had his knee on his neck for minutes. is the same thing that happened in 1964 with the, uh, with the black bloody Sunday in, in, uh, Alabama, white folks had to sit down, you know, John F. Kennedy's in the tub being like, the fuck are they doing in Alabama? you got to get, Hey, you mm-hmm. got to get them niggas out of there. Like this is John, John Kennedy watching from the white house. Like, Hey, this shit made me look terrible. Like go fix yep. that. Like that is, so why is it the only reason that we, we change laws is when we, when we see that the laws could affect you negatively uh, as, as a, as a white person. The second thing I will say is it is, it is such a knock to the American identity of being this erudite, smart ass, like um, smart ass identity. And your cops don't fucking know the penal code, right? The, cop- the fact that we, the, the, the country expects us, the normal citizen, to know their rights. We preach knowing your rights, knowing how to interact with the police. Because the people who are supposed to uphold those rights and follow them, violate them so much that we as normal citizens have to go back and learn
0: what our rights are, right? And even when you do know your rights, it's not like that's going to help you because I've seen incidents and videos and shit to where it's been documented in which a motherfucker will read a police officer every single right that they mm-hmm. had. And now you're, uh, you're arrested for obstructing justice. Yeah. So it's like... It's almost to the point of, and I hate to say this shit, but it, we might be better served if we let a motherfucker arrest us and then try to fight, li- fight it in civil court. You're well, literally yeah. better off letting someone just arresting you, keeping your mouth shut until you can get a lawyer who can get you out and then just embarrassing the system that way. But the fucked up part about that is is when we have these civil trials, we still pay for this shit. It's like, yeah, hey, I got a million dollars, but hey, you pay for part of your own fucking million dollars. Right. Shit is nuts.
1: I mean, you could you could be right in the instance and be and be dead. Or you True. can or you can choose to fight that in court and uh operate under that that pretense that maybe you can you can win this, um, with a bit of a miracle. But I, I guess I guess the the bigger question is for me, um, within this instance of Mikeia Bryant, um, if the officer had had more compounding evidence and much more information, would he have decided to kill her? Um,
2: Numbers say yes.
1: I agree. I agree. The numbers would say yes. But then again, it goes back to the individual. I don't think, I think it's an individual basis, not a policing culture that allows you to have empathy for people. But at the same time, we were talking about this off mic. We need to incentivize minority policing. If we are going to, you know, keep this infrastructure active, we have to have black and minority officers in the community. We have to, um, I agree. because because if 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 I would have if I would have came to the to the actual scene, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how how you guys feel. I don't know if you want to answer that. But I I would. I mean, what was the amount of time? that was that was on the video from when the officer pulled up to when he 22 actually, seconds. Okay, within 22 seconds, I'm going to be honest with you. She probably would have got shot. I'm I mean, I don't I don't see any other way to Man,
2: it's sad. I don't I don't see any other way. And see, knowing what I know about the law, like I would have known that, right? That she she's in a stand your ground law, like basically a stand your ground state. I'm sorry, little lady. Like, maybe you shouldn't have rolled up to this girl's house and threatened her, right? As a cop, I'm standing back being like, look, and now mind you, I was a teacher who let kids fight as well. So let's let's caveat that. Some folks need, uh, one thing you learn about kids, sometimes one of them need their ass whoop, right? You know the ones that need their mm-hmm. ass whoop to change their mind about some shit? And you just sit back and be like, maybe you shouldn't have been talking shit. Like, that, nice that a was, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a fact. Yeah, That's a fact. Yeah, sometimes you got to be like that. And so if I'm a police officer, you know, the first thing I would have done is probably tase that girl. That's number one. But there's also things that you can do to make things not as deadly. For example, why can't the first three bullets in a clip be rubber? what's
1: wrong with that? You, you don't, don't have you to You don't shoot a large caliber man with a small caliber bullet. I mean, you can use a
2: you can figure it out. We can figure a lot of things out. The thing is, the problem is in policing of Louisiana, excuse me. United States is the only country in the world, developed or otherwise, yeah. where the default move of the police is deadly force. The only one. If you look at the number of murders that happened in Australia, in England, well, England will take them out because their police aren't even allowed to carry guns. Exactly. You know, Australia, um, Belgium, Germany, France, they do not have as many kills in 20 years that we have in 2021. That it and you and you tr- you really trying to tell me now, granted, they have some some uh more strenuous gun laws, which is a conversation that need to be had. They also have to you also have to have a four year degree to be a policeman. Right. You also have to have extensive training. You also yeah. have to go through physicals to make sure that you're able to deal with these people. So I think the problem is the system. You can put as many colored folks in the system as you want. They don't change shit. That doesn't change shit. I disagree. What, what changes shit. What changes shit is changing the policies and the rules and the rules of engagement. If I, if I have a, if I have a basketball team, right, full of no all-stars, we 12 and we 12 and 80, 70, whatever, 12 and 70. And the next year, I add another person who's not an all-star. My biggest signing is let's just say Lou Williams. Lou Williams is my biggest signing. Right. Does anything change? I get your point. Wait, wait, but Lou is Lou a bucket? Lou is a bucket, he right? He's is a bucket. Lou going to get you some points. Lou going to get you some exists. That ain't going to translate to anything different
1: in your organization. Okay, question, follow-up question. All mm-hmm. right, you say Lou Williams is not going to make a change. What does forward progression look like to you under the current police departments that we have in this country if we did incentivize black and my, well, minority officers mm-hmm. within the community? Mm-hmm. What does that look like to you? What is, what is first progress? Of all, first of all, qualified immunity is gone.
2: You cannot, you cannot operate under qualified immunity. Um, the second thing is you're going to have to pay insurance just like doctors and doctors and lawyers do for malpractice. You fuck up, your insurance premium goes. I ain't going to come for your pension now. Cause nigga, you're going to be old and you're going to need some money. I ain't going to fuck with you that way. But if that, if that, if that insurance premium has to go up, oh, you're going to be quite polite to everyone around because them, (laughs) them excessive force shits, all of that is going to look real, real different. The second, the third thing I would do is say, look, well, it this is a law that I think should happen. You should not the idea that you can shoot somebody because you thought they had a gun. Like the gentleman Isaiah mm-hmm. Brown, who was our age by the way, right. who called the police and was on the phone with the dispatcher as the police were talking to him, which is why he didn't understand what the police were saying. He's like, "I'm talking to you. Why are you you're not talking to me in real time? I'm talking to you on the phone. Why would I think you're telling me to stop walking towards you like I'm on the phone with you?" So, you know, you have those situations where They just don't understand the rules of engagement. They refuse to engage black people with with any sort of um, humanity whatsoever. And I think until the rules change, who you put in the system doesn't matter. Right. So I think that the idea that you can shoot somebody because you thought they had a gun and they didn't and everybody just like, oh, (laughs) you fucked up. I guess that's okay. That is a problem. Like, I thought that he had a gun, so I shot him, but it turned out he didn't have a gun. Well, you know, niggas fuck up. That is not, that's not an acceptable, exactly, that's not acceptable. And so I feel like if that's the case, automatically, you go to trial, right? You go to trial, you figure it out, let the jury decide, whatever. But for everything else, you shoot somebody, immediately, it goes to a community council, right? The community looks at it and says, all right, let's see what we got. Let's see if this officer was justified. Let's figure it out as a community because a lot of times when we have these things, it's nobody, so nobody That's is arguing that somebody shouldn't have gone to jail. That's never the argument. Right. The argument is why are they dead? Why is Dante Wright dead? Why is Philando Castile dead? Those are the oh, questions. Something correct?
1: What was that? No, that was my. It did a shutter. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh. we good, we good, <laughs> we good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shutter.
2: So-, so I saw the black, the nigga. He was like.
0: Right, what the fuck is like who, who the fuck called the police for this shit god damn I am ready to go god damn <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but this is my thing y'all this is my thing right so we talk about what can, bringing more black people bringing more minorities into the police department it's not really gonna do anything in my eyes only because like it would need to be at an executive level mm. we need to look at policing, education, and all this shit the same way that we look at businesses, right? So we need diversity, equity, and inclusion when it comes to having black and brown people in police in the police force. But we also need to look at those same things when it comes to leadership in the police departments. We need to find a way to have better black, brown, whatever race, transgender, gay. We need all the motherfuckers inside of these to police the force police forces. We also need people operating with a lot more emotional intelligence too, Mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of these decisions that are made poorly are made by people who don't understand nuance by people who have low levels of emotional intelligence. They just come in and this bitch like it's Call of Duty or some shit. They respond just like the police officers in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Mm -hmm. They roll up, you got two stars, I'm blowing your fucking head off. Damn, that was a bar. But um... (laughs) But they,
2: they also don't hold each other accountable. No, right? they, don't. That, they don't. That's the, that's another major issue. The fact that there were five other police officers around in the George Floyd thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Murder. Excuse me, not thing. Let me not trivialize the George Floyd murder.
0: And none of them did anything. Because it- it's business. Think, think of this shit, right? Think about this shit. When you had a regular job. Me and Christian worked together at at mm-hmm. Well, we worked at a place together. <laughs> undisclosed place. <laughs> and... Let's say something that wasn't supposed to happen at work happens, right? You forgot to fucking take the insurance off of a customer's plan. Mm-hmm. And I I saw that you didn't do it. The fuck I'm gonna do. Hey man, you forgot to take that off. No, nigga, you got paid on that. I'm not saying shit about that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain instances when you work regular jobs, right? In which you build this camaraderie up with your your co-workers and things of that nature, which if something happens, you're not going to go overboard and snitch or tell on people. But people take that same thought process into jobs like policing and it's policing. Not the same. And it's not yeah. the same it's thing. The policing same. shouldn't be viewed as, oh, it's just a fucking job. It's just a job. Nah, man, you you are life and death like doctors and nurses mm-hmm. and shit. And. Not everybody should be involved in these particular. I agree,
2: and if and you can't pick and choose what benefits of the job that you want, right? If you're gonna get the this, if you're gonna get the free food from Chick Fil A, right? If you're gonna get the free food from Chick Fil A, <laughs> mm-hmm. nigga, you gonna you gonna have to do the job that everyone else does, right? Right? You, you can't say I'm up here and I deserve the benefit of the doubt, and but when it comes to making mistakes, like nah, that, that ain't that ain't something I do, right? Like I can't be held accountable yeah. for that. That's a fucked up. System to be in You know
0: And then the mistakes Of the police force Christian Like Bro A motherfucking The police officer If I make a mistake At my job I might fuck up Somebody check And I can get them A check next week right. I can get them A check in a couple of days I might fuck up A shirt order In which I spelled Somebody's name wrong Or some shit yeah. I can get you another shirt These motherfuckers Can kill you Ain't no fucking Do over yo
1: You're right But then I mean I don't really have answers I just have more questions I don't really I don't really know how how I can position anything more than just uh, okay. just um, you know positioning questions to see what you know what our comrades think, uh, what people in our community think because at this point, you know, like we were saying before, if if you're if you're coming into an actual power structure to where it wasn't implemented for the betterment of the people who look like me and you, then what are we doing exactly? Are we going to be more tools? Are we going to be robots within this within this society? So, I I think it is possible that we can have have minorities within the department to to do some good, but in the likelihood that they're making any changes on a policy level, it's not going to happen because when you speak up and when you talk about you know, I remember I remember my my dad told me a story to where he was uh, he was responding to a call, his University of Chicago it was uh, it was downtown it was at a convenience store and um, it was a call that, you know someone was shoplifting so he went there and it was a young girl she was like probably 19, 20 years old she was going to rest of Chicago she was from uh, out of town she was in Michigan she was hungry she didn't have enough food to, to eat have enough money to eat and um, the convenience store clerk basically said he wanted her to uh, go to jail and he decided not to take her to jail because he has you know reactionary discretion he can decide to do it or not. The reason he decided not to do it is because he saw myself in that, in that young lady. You know, I'm going to I'm going to school out of state. Um, hopefully, if I was in the same circumstance, somebody would feel some compassion for me. So he called, he called the mother, um, paid for the food, give her some more food, let her know what happened, and said, Hey, um, if she needs anything, give me a call. You know? So that needs to happen. I know you probably may feel that that doesn't have much effect, um, but there are countless of different stories I can speak to, of minority officers who who did the right thing or even at traffic stops. You know, when you pull up on a guy it's a, it's a traffic lane and they'll say, you know, hey, um, black guy, say, you know, I don't have a license. Hey, lady in your passenger seat, do you have a license? Yeah. Hey, I'm going um, to walk you over here. I'm going to give them a green light so we can go. When you're out of sight, you switch seats, you're going about your day. That needs to happen. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. It is. And I, I think that you're right. The more experience that you have um, dealing with people, not just policing, yeah. the better you are at your job, which is why I need, as a former middle school, high school, elementary school educator, yeah. to look at my cop, kind of, you know, what kind of Brian or the I'm sorry, I, I can't remember what you said. Breaking up high school fights, like understanding the dynamics that go play there. I'm
2: very much more just looking at that situation, much more comfortable to understand exactly where that situation. Is. Right, right. I'm able to to understand how to break that situation up in a way that doesn't cause any sort of issues, or at least at minimum do it without somebody dying. Like somebody might get stabbed, but you ain't gonna die because I have seen people get in high school um, but because I have that background and experience and knowledge and I'm a part of culture and able to talk people world, mm-hmm. I probably would have been able to defuse that situation a little bit more. So I'm not gonna say that not having minority uh, uh, folks won't help. I think it'll help on an individual level, but it doesn't help at a systems level. And I think that's where the changes need to be made. But I mean again, Agreed. when you when you when all you see is black trauma and all you see is uh, violence against black bodies, you get used to it. And when it becomes profitable, it becomes a whole different sort of ball game. Right? And so let, let, let's take a second to talk about black trauma and how it sold to us in, in the American zeitgeist, if you will. Right. I'm sure y'all saw that Lena Wake got in trouble again. Now, I, don't only, I don't only know Lena Wake because she's
1: on one of my favorite movies, which is Ready Player One, which if you have not seen, have. is It's favorite. amazing. Amazing. The Spielberg. Book, the, the book is also great. Movie is nothing like the book, and it stands
2: alone as like right. own greatness. Um, so if you haven't seen one of my favorite movies, please go watch the play one. But that's the only time I've ever seen Lena Wait. I don't know seriously any other things that she's done. Um, but I've heard the rumors of her experiencing black Trump. You know, writing black Trump movies, doing all this. She came out with a show called Them on um, Amazon Prime, and I went through a little thread and read it. Now, mind you, um, I'm with Marsai. I don't do black trauma. I still ain't seen Twelve Years a Slave. I still ain't seen uh, Selma. I still ain't seen none.
1: Purple, color purple. I seen
2: color purple, but I'm talking like recently.
1: Yeah, I won't do it. Nah, if I want to, I'll just watch body cam footage of right, right, right. So,
2: uh, what do you guys think about the way black trauma is packaged and sold to us, and how that affects the way society?
0: It is complicated. It is extremely complicated. And the reason why I say it's complicated, guys, is because, like, for one, it does solve a bit of an educational gap when it's historical stuff. But when every single major black blockbuster film or every single major black television show that gets money pushed behind it is something involving slavery, civil rights movement, traumatic events, like for the folks that are, I don't even want to call us woke because I feel like somebody has hijacked the word woke and turned it into something negative. But right. for the folks who do have some black like history, right, whether you got it from school, your parents or whatever, we know about these particular incidents. And it's like we have nowhere to go to escape anything, right? Like you you go to work, you, you are already working in an environment in which a majority of your coworkers are white and you have to put on your fake whiteness for work you come home and you want to be entertained, but you got shows like them. You had shows like uh, underground and all that other shit while it's great writing. And I'm glad black folks are getting opportunities to act and to be like the main characters on television. But it's like, there's no real escape for it. It's constantly in your face, traumatic events, traumatic imagery, all of that shit. It's like the only people here to save us or Issa Rae and Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. And motherfuckers is giving Jamie Foxx a hard time. <laughs> I watched that goddamn show, uh, Don't Embarrass Me, with him. And it reminds me of, like, um, I don't know what the fuck it reminds me of because we don't have sitcoms anymore. We yeah. have real ghetto shit, like right. the damn... Uh, reality shows. And then we have the really traumatic shit. But, like, shows that are, like, witty, funny, like, great writing, like, insecure, like, um, even take it back to say, like, the game was okay for its time being when it used to show up on TV. And then shows like that, it's like, we need more of that to show us in our everyday lives. Because, I mean, if you only show these traumatic videos and imagery and shows of black people, when white folks see us, they'll only look at us from the Empathetic. Oh God, your life is so hard all the time. No, bitch, we have fun too. So <laughs> fuck. We need we need that imagery of us having fun too, because it's only going to humanize us to people outside of our culture too. Like, great historical context, motherfuckers not getting that shit from other places. So it's great that it's on TV, but that doesn't need to be the number one genre for us. Fucking black trauma, Christian. What you well? That's
2: what you. Well, got. I think that the first place it has to start is in education. Um, in education, what do you learn about in in about Black history when you're in elementary school, high school? You learn about Martin Luther King. You learn about Rosa Parks. Um, if you're lucky, you learn about Malcolm X.
0: You learn that he was bad.
2: And you, that's what you learn. <laughs> but people don't understand what that does, right? First, so your first introduction is to a nigga that got shot in the face, right, mm-hmm. and then died at the hospital. Another nigga that got shot in the face. If you're lucky. And a lady who refused to give up her seat on the bus and then went, got arrested and then had to go through a whole bunch of shit. So the first thing that you learn is centered around black trauma. Mm-hmm. And so the the next thing, the next level of that is they teach about the overcoming of those things. But that doesn't teach you to appreciate the person, the the black dude sitting next to you. That, that makes you appreciate Django, that one in 10,000 nigga, that exceptional nigga. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now people don't look at me as, you know, a black dude who's successful. As a white person, they look at me as an exceptional nigga. Right. right? And, and that is the next level of the issue. The third thing is the dehumanization that black bodies go through every day. Remember, Donald Trump said that Baltimore was infested. Right. Mm-hmm. Then he say they're, they're illegal aliens coming across the border. Mm-hmm. We don't have that language for Canadians. I've been to the Canadian border. Do you know what the Canadian border is? A line between two fucking trees. That is what the Canadian border is, Uh. right? And so, like, you talk about all of these things that build up to the black experience, but we don't don't get to show our black experience. I watch TV. It is my, I have seen every major show on TV in the last 10 years. Love television, right? I love writing. I love lighting. I love cinematography. I love all Mm -hmm. of it. Insecure. I was trying to think of another black show. That's like, <laughs>
0: that's, that's like, because
2: we got to exclude reality shows. Yeah, I, I you got to exclude shows, that, show. right? You got Insecure. You, you've got shows that have leading people that are of color that are great. Generation Euphoria, if we stick in on HBO, right? We got The Good Place is a great show with okay. Chidi, Antagonia. We yeah? yeah. Okay, we'll consider Kirby yeah, curve, Judaism, Right? We'll, we'll consider that. There are great Love shows curve. that have people of color leading. There are no shows that are for black people. Even Blackish is about making black issues palatable for white people. Yep. And I'm a Blackish fan, right? right? But I understand what that show is about. So when you when you do not share the stories of an entire swath of people, when you leave people in the dark, they create their own fucking monsters, right? Yep. That is exactly what happens. And so let's talk about this. One of the questions I always ask people, you know, white people will say. Oh, well, George Floyd had fentanyl in his system that welfare queens and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the super predator. Here's the question I always pose and they never have an answer. OK, I've been black a fucking long ass time, yep. relatively speaking. Right. I have never met a welfare queen in my life. I have not. I've been around black people. I go to a black college. I worked at black organizations. Not one time have I met one black one, one welfare queen. I met some white ones now. So when you start posing that question. All right, let's talk about Warefair Queens. Let's talk about Super Predators. Let's talk about thug youth. Who are they? And you ask the white person this. Is it is it your kids' friends? Because I know you have black your kids black friends, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so it's none of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So is it the lady that's checking you out at the at the store that you go to? Okay, so it's not them. All right, okay. What about the teachers that your kids have? Is it them? Well, no. Oh, well, what about you, what about the classmates that your kids have? Is it them? Well, well, no what about your coworkers? You go to work every day. I'm assuming you know you've been around all these black folks. You got to find one. You got to find one or two of them sitting right there, right? Well, no, none of them either. So where are they? Th- that's always my you you always talk about what black people are and who black people are, and you can never identify one of them. You can never say, "Oh, I met this person even anecdotally. I met this person and they bought crab legs with the EBT card." I ain't even heard somebody say that. Not a mess bit. I met some women that buy Crab legs with the EBT card. But you know what? SMI. SMI. Yeah. SMI. I I'm not even judging it. Cause you know what? Crab legs are fucking delicious. And I understand it completely. Yep. But the point being, we do not respect. Like, why can't black folks just slay some dragons and shit? Like, I want a, a black game of thrones. Why we can't do that? Like, I don't understand it. Because it doesn't make money. You know what the uh what the, the, the person I'm talking to right now is a teacher, and they were talking about how they put on a show in their class that they had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And the kids were into it Ready to watch it You know what it was What Goddamn Snowfall 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 Some it's a show about drugs it's
1: About
0: selling yeah.
2: crack You know what the other show That kids love these days Power What is that Forgot about power It's a show forgot about, about selling crack Like that's about power too. And you yeah. know what They don't even give The Wire The love that it deserves Because The Wire was such a nuanced show yeah, That dealt with too. Yeah That dealt Extreme. with so many things Like no nigga, We just like no I want I just want the drugs. Like that's what people think that we want. But when I have my mentees over, you know what's the first thing they say they want to watch? What? Like, Mr. Jackson, can we watch regular show? Nigga 17. You don't, you don't get to see that. I made them watch Soul With Me, which is a great show. Um, a great movie if y'all haven't seen with James what's Fox fine. and Angela what's Bassett fine. and Felisa Rashad. And the um the the barbershop scene came on. And me and my man, one of my mentees go to the same barber, and he goes, Man, that dude talked just like Fred. That dude looks just like Fred. That, that, hey, that's how that dude talk. And I was like, yeah, you know. And so, and it hit me. I was like, they have never seen themselves, their culture, I should say. They have never seen their culture represented accurately on TV. All they've seen is trauma. Because even Lovecraft Country, great show, traumatic, traumatic as fuck, yeah. right? And I wasn't prepared for it. But let me get all my soapbox, Chris. What you got to say about it, bro?
1: I mean, I I agree with everything that y'all y'all are saying. Um, uh, when I saw Judas and the Black Messiah, that uh I mean Fred Hampton senior is like my idol. It's the person i um I look to kind of kind of steer me to my socialist journey um, i mean when when we talk about uh black pain or we talk about just a sense of identity and knowledge and uh self worth we don't get that in most of these pictures that we take a look at, and uh, I love the fact that we we share the commonality of loving loving film and cinematography and stories. And for too long, the stories that have been told have been predicated from white, um, white media companies. You look at all these companies who are green lighting these things. It's always, well, how, how can we present a, uh, a film or a story that everyone can appreciate? and, the problem is it's really for us true it's for us so even i mean like from from when we were born you know the information that we're given and the education that we get it's not about us it's about them you know it's about the colonizer and i for one don't give a shit about their their history anymore i've i've learned enough to know that um when they when they speak about justification of black lives being taken um, when they speak to Chicago, I know that they don't understand that. That is a learned behavior. And we learned it from the Irish and the Italians and the Jews and the Scotch-Irish. The only difference is they were given the opportunity to leave the life of crime and go into blue collar and white collar work. Look at the Irish right. in this country. Um, um, they were the niggers of Europe until they got to the point to where they can enter into politics. No offense. And, um, and uh position themselves to where they're now considered just the the white population but yeah they, they did right yep. they assimilated and somewhat the italians did too to a certain extent um when you talk about sicilians but you know when you go back to identity and what it means to be black not even just in this country just across the, yeah. the, the, the diaspora yeah so we're talking about you know you know uh being being west indian or or uh you talk about blacks in the u k you know we forget that they come from um, east Africa or or the West Indian islands you know mm-hmm. they might not have the same actual experience as us through slavery, but they have the experience they're our cousins from 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 across the water so um when we talk about you know depicting black people in a in a positive light, I want to see. You know, I I want to see Victor Hugo and Milzola. I want to see Fred Hampton. I want to see Fred Hampton Jr. I want to see Eldridge Cleaver, um, Geronimo Pratt, Atrap Brown. You know who's a, yep. who's a Southern alumnus. So and, and they don't talk about him. You know, um, it's it, there are certain things that we need to see that are separate from us just being slaves and from being subservient. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not subordinate to anyone with the exception of my my father, my mother, and the elders that come before me. But no. We don't need it,
0: yep. and and it and it's true, man. Because if you really think about some of the more current films, like we had Judas and the Black Messiah, the Black Panther Party had a period of prosperity, right? Mm-hmm. When they were expanding with the uh, various chapters that were opening up across the U.S., they could have chose to highlight the uh, free food program and all of these different the areas. Coalition. The Rainbow Coalition. This there there could have been films that talked and showed the great aspects of what the fuck was going on. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's disheartening. Right. Even like you say, even Wick. like all of these various programs that were good and associated with us is like, okay, fuck all that. Let's show uh, the black guy that was infiltrating this group and, and got uh, Fred Hampton killed. Let's show all of the slavery and all this other shit. Nigga, let's talk about the first uh the first automaker in the US. One of the first automakers in the US was black. And mysteriously he died in a house fire, but his plans were discovered later. And then we have Dodge. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's talk about let's talk about the uh the filament that was needed in the light bulb mm-hmm. that was created by a black person. Mm-hmm. Make these fucking movies so people can see how many great contributions. Nigga, the AC. Fucking right. make a movie about air conditioning People right. in the south are gonna love that shit <laughs> Fuck that's what you right. got brother what you I got? mean I just think
2: First of all Y'all say what y'all want I'm watching Django every time it come on the screen Like every every <laughs> every fucking time Django come on I'm in there like yeah, get that motherfucker Like that's what I'm like make me feel good daddy Like it was one, one of those Like but I think that Some of it is black folks fault Um Yeah, I think that of what what we consume, right, because we give credence to things that that don't deserve it. Yeah, we we validate some of the decisions that Hollywood execs make by indulging in them. Like, I won't watch power personally. I'm tired of drug dealing shows. I'm trying to I'm tired of all of that. And I think you have to give grace because it's, you know, it's a young person watching the mm-hmm. show. Like, you got to give grace because they're going to they're going to want to watch those things and, and be a part of adult world that they probably won't ever be a part of in real life. So I get it. Right. Uh, but you're, until we prove that, you know, I, I'm trying to start this campaign for this festival that I'm going that I got going on called Don't Let This Flop. Right. Like, and talk mm-hmm. about all the things that have been brought to North Baton Rouge and to Baton Rouge for black folks that the community has let flop. Um, You know You can think of Conscious rap Right The niggas that talk about The real shit Are the ones that flop You know Your underground MCs You can even talk about Chance the Rapper Which that last album Wasn't great But when Chance was Was making bumping music It was like Cool cool But that last album He was in a different Stage of life yeah. He had had You know He was happy He had his kid He had his wife And nigga was like That shit is trash bro Like And so we We don't we don't embrace the things and, and let it grow. We even tell old rappers, like, stop making music. We don't want to hear you no more. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine in 20 years, somebody just being like, yeah, Drake, you no longer have the skills to rap because you're no longer rapping about the shit you did when you were in your 20s and 30s. Like, that, that shit's going to be we're crazy. Part, we're
0: part of the only music group, too, that uh, that disrespects our legends. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen in rock. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen in country and no shit like that, so.
2: It, it's exactly the same thing So we We have a part to play In that as well As a As a culture With the caveat Of young people Will be young people Right We gotta, we gotta say that Because Issa's show Ain't doing as well As it should In my opinion Like Issa yeah. Insecure should be Everywhere It's literally I watch that show And be like God damn That shit happened Last week Issa How you know mm-hmm. Like how you know That yeah. that shit happened Right And But we don't Our stories don't get elevated Because we don't Elevate our stories Even the game I thought the game Was a trash ass show because it revolved around somebody in the NFL Niggas ain't gotta just be athletes Right we could mm-hmm. be so many other things Empire I thought could have been Really really good but god damn it It was just too much drama Too many things that yeah. like we don't fucking deal with Could you just make right. it about the music and do XYZ I saw you know? a
0: meme and I was like Damn they talking about me on a spiritual level It was like everybody that stopped Watching Empire missed one episode And never came Same. back
2: <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> Never never went, never went back but like it's hard to connect to stories when your stories aren't being told, right? And so the when you know, when you know, because I mean, we I think we all know drug dealers at some point, right? Yeah. And so we can I can connect to ghosts, right? Kids can connect to ghosts. Kids can't connect to fucking Michael Scott, right? But if if Michael Scott were a black boss, like when I don't know if y'all are huge office fans, I'm a huge office yeah. fan. When Charles came on, I was like, I didn't had that nigga as a boss before. Like, that was one of the first times that I was like, oh shit. Like this is this is real, right? So, but those stories deserve to be told by black people, you know, and for black people. And the last thing I'll say is, dude, um, who created uh, Soul was on Terry Gross yesterday. Sorry, I'm a huge NPR nerd, so I listen to all the NPR shit. Um, and he was talking about how why he wrote Soul and whatever. And he talked about how only in the last four to five years, has it become unacceptable for white people to tell stories about black people? Hmm. Which is which is like crazy to me. Like it is absolutely absurd to me because I'm sure y'all saw the guy on Fox News who basically was like, um, well, I didn't believe in paternity leave because I thought people were stealing from their job until I had my kid like six weeks ago and I want to be around him all the time. Hmm. And you know, you think about how many racist and discriminatory perspectives do you have as a Fox commentator speaking to millions of people that you just don't have the perspective on? And you're the people who are allowed to craft the narrative
1: around black lives and, and black existence. That's an interesting take. Um, I, I would say like someone as, that, that loves writing and that loves uh, storytelling when we talking about having other other cultures and other races tell our story is that taboo is that something that we shouldn't shouldn't look to? Uh, I was looking at a round table an actors' round table um I believe it was it was from twenty nineteen and um there's a there's a white guy from from the u k and he was he's talking about um telling a story about a uh a ugandan little girl and and her rise to um Get an education and um, and still be Muslim, and I don't know. Just just un- understanding that 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 dichotomy is that is that healthy for is that healthy for media? Is it healthy for for cinema? I'm I'm not particularly sure. You know, I don't know. Um, a small part of me believes that you know we want to have you know black storytelling happen amongst our own people, but at the same time, you know there are certain nuances that we can have amongst, amongst outsiders, you know? So I'm, I'm not particularly sure. I know when I watch the Godfather or casino, I know it's, it's very spot on because I know the the director is Italian. I know if I, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know if I watch Schindler's list, I know they got it right because I know, you know, you know, the the Jewish society isn't going to let that flop, you know, speaking to what you say. So within our own community, we don't speak to those things because, Global education We do not know the same thing Across Five blocks to the next block We don't know the same thing from state to state So yep. you know telling, a, telling an elderly woman that the NAACP Was not started by a black By a black organization It was started by two Jewish brothers out of New York Blew her mind We mm-hmm. don't know the same thing So we don't have the same yep. Positioning to say Hey you know uh, He has a corporation He has a studio We want to be represented by us So I think Oh no.
0: Tyler Tyler no. make he makes No. I, I don't like I don't I mean, like this I don't shit. Know. I don't like the movies. To him.
1: Shout
0: out to that boy, man, but. I say shout out to Tyler Perry because homie made just funny movies. He just made funny movies for people who found that shit funny. But to take it back to your point, man, um it's funny how some somehow every time I have a conversation that's particularly a deep conversation about business shit. It always ties back to this diversity, equity, and inclusion class I'm taking right now. Shout out to University of South Florida for this free certification program. Shout out to shit for that. So this week they talked about the need for um, sponsorship, right? When you're advocating for more diversity, particularly more inclusion as it relates to uh, the creation of TV shows and things of that nature, Besides Tyler Perry, what other black person we know at their own movie studio?
2: That's why I say shout out to him. Like, is he letting people use his studio and, and right. you know, renting it out to black folks? I'm, I'm here for it.
0: Right. But outside of that, nobody else is getting those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So until we can get someone put on into those particular positions, we kind of need those financial sponsors. We're not necessarily saying we need them to 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 be black, because we like to bring people into our culture. No, they can appreciate our culture from afar, but we need those sponsors to get those black folks, those acting roles, to get those particular stories told, to get those approvals, to have these uh, movies made. And then at some point in time, once a particular actor or a particular production crew or production team starts to make enough money to where they can pull a Tyler Perry, at that point in time, that's when we'll start to see. More black stories and better black stories, because like we've all been saying, bro, we tired of seeing ourselves as the drug dealer, the fucking slave, and all this other shit. But also, just being a thirty year old black person who has a regular job, and regular relationships, Mm -hmm. regular friendships, it humanizes you.
2: And it humanizes. As we close, I think the thing that we have to acknowledge is that, and I think Tyler Perry is a really good example of this. When we do create our own stories, right, like we don't like Tyler Perry, not because what he said, what he wrote and did was inaccurate or not funny. You know, Madea is funny and Madea is terribly accurate to some people. The problem that we actually have with it is that white folks came in again to our culture and made a joke out of something yep. that was none of their business to begin with. Right, and so one thing that TikTok TikTok has taught me in my six eight months of of being on it is how crucially important Black people are to the movement of culture in this country. From the dances yep. that they steal and go and do on Jimmy Jimmy Fallon to the songs that they choose to blow up and 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 you know get these bring these artists out of secure se, security um what obscurity, Black people are the linchpin of culture, and. Until we own the fact that we are the linchpin of culture, every form of music, and I'm need i going to look at the camera when I say this, break the fourth wall. Every form of music that is in the United States is because of black people. Every single one. It's not not a miss. Country, hip hop, R&B, blues, southern blues, delta blues, all of that shit is because of black people. True. And... The, the powers that be systemically withhold the accomplishments of our culture from us to be displayed to the country and the world. Yep. Because to do that in America would be to recognize that black people are the ones who built the country and continue to build the country, right, and continue to be influential in the country. And when someone has that level of power in their country and they realize it, you can no longer get away with the shit that you get away with in the way that you treat their bodies, in the way that you treat their minds and their ideas and their products and their labor. Like You can't do it anymore. And so until we own our shit like Tyler Perry does, as much as yeah. I think niggas goofy as fuck, right. until we True. own that shit, ain't <laughs> nothing we could do. This nigga, gave, this nigga gave the Prince of England his house to stay at. You know how boss of a shit that is? He gave the Prince of England... A house to stay in Because the queen Was acting like a bitch Like that's how Much money And power This dude has And you gotta respect him For having that Right You you gotta respect him For having that But black folks We gotta own our culture And we gotta We gotta stop Letting people Like we need to come up With a black TikTok A tock. And you, you gotta You gotta answer Cookout questions To get in You yes, know You yes. gotta get an invite That's what I'm saying You know We'll mm-hmm. figure it out though But yes DJ take us out bro Alright
0: guys So once again Thank you for listening in, guys. We're going to name this shit later. We'll name this some, this podcast at some point in time. But until then, for all your DSPs, wherever you guys get podcasts, you want to find us there. So we, we are on all the podcast platforms right now under, we'll name this podcast later. My name is DJ. You guys can find me on Instagram at Supreme7 underscore three. So that's Supreme seven underscore three.
2: And I am Dexter Nicholas. You can find me on Instagram at D dot N-I-C-H-S, D dot dot N-I-C-H-S, on Twitter at D underscore nicks, um, and on Facebook, Dexter Nicholas. And if you want to have a good time, find me on Facebook. I'm not going to lie. Shit's lit.
1: And this is Christian. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as underscore just Shavo. Uh, you can also find me on Snapchat as well. Underscore Chavo. Cheers, guys. How you spell Shavo? Chavo? Now You know niggas can't spell.
0: <laughs> Peace, y'all. <laughs>